You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. For us with ADHD, we just have to manage it in our own way um, and kind of just be hyper aware of, hey, we have to we have to watch ourselves in that. Um, uh, Anthony Angoro calls it breaking the twitch, yep. that that feeling of like, you know what, I'm kind of this 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 writing's hard. Creative work's hard. I need a fix. And so that Facebook, that Twitter, and um, you get a little hit. And because you've destabilized you know, your, your creative process now, you have to get back into it because you have to get back into it. It takes a little bit more time. Now that's painful because you're not in the same state you were. Oh, this is frustrating. I need a hit. And then you go back and then slowly you're in the land of you're in the forest of like diminishing returns quickly um, because of that. That was Ryan McRae, the creator of the ADHD Nerd, a website focused on helping people go from distraction to action. He has ADHD and works with people who have ADHD. And today we delve into what it's like when you have ADHD and you're trying to be productive and focused. While it's clear that people with ADHD have a much harder go of focusing and getting stuff done, their challenges and the strategies they use to overcome them can work wonders for all of us. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey. And I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation because I don't think I have ADHD. Um, I think I have sometimes ADHD tendencies brought on by technology, but I don't think I have it. Like if you take all the tools away from me, I'm, I'm just fine. So I'm happy to talk about it to, um, to someone else because I've noticed that a lot of our readers, um, either have strong tendencies or they actually have ADHD. And I think there's a a connection between being creative, um, and maybe being ADHD. So thanks for joining me to talk about this. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. So, um, Let's start with it. When were you diagnosed with ADHD? So I was diagnosed um, at age 18, uh, my first year at Illinois State University back in 1991. Woof. And uh, I just noticed that I just could not track very well. I noticed that going from high school to college was it was all the structure fell away. There was no bell that rang. There wasn't a board that said what was due tomorrow. It was like, it was all up to me. And, you know, they give you that little planner. And I looked at it. I'm like, what goes in here? And, and a lot of people can be disoriented. A lot of people that not, might not be, you know, you don't have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But I noticed that people just had this ability in classes to attend and focus. And I was like, I just couldn't do it. If I wasn't interested in the class, it was, if it was, if the teacher was speaking like Charlie Brown's mom, you know, just this one. I just just couldn't. And everyone is just staring, you know, with such attention, rapt attention. And I'm like, I don't understand. So I worked for the office of disability. I was a sign language interpreter. And, uh, and she said, 
one of the counselors said, you should take this assessment. And I was like, oh, I love assessments. I'm all about that. So, you know, it was on pen and paper. And I just start ticking all these yes boxes. And I laughed. I'm like, what is this, like a human? Like, are you checking to see if I'm mortal? Like, what? Everyone's like this. She goes, no, not everyone's like this. You're like this. You, you, you're, you're ADHD. So I went to a psychiatrist to kind of get some more diagnosis. And he said, bring all your, all your school records from third grade. Anything third grade, fourth grade, bring it all. And I did. And he laid it all out. And he's like, Ryan is highly creative. He holds up another piece of paper. Ryan stares out the window. Ryan can never find a pencil when he needs it. And he just showed me, like, Ryan has, a, you know, great answers when he's focused. Ryan is not focused today. And it just, he's like, he goes, I'm not really here to give you a diagnosis. I'm here to pin a ribbon on your chest. Like, congrats, you know, like, how did you slip through? And I, you know, I said, I don't know. And so he taught me a lot of ways to, to kind of focus and do that. But a lot of it, especially in the 1990s, I had to do it myself. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because, you know, I, I imagine my college experience, especially and my favorite classes, you know, as a philosophy major and things like that, my favorite classes were those ones where you show up and there'd be like a two or three hour lecture slash converse combination type thing. Sure. We're all going back and forth. And I imagine like, man, that would really suck if I had ADHD because or I imagine it would be because how does one stay engaged for that long? on yeah. something and things like that. So, and you know, and it, I would imagine alter um, a lot of things. It's not just, um, you know, it alters life choices because you may have decided not to take something like, had you not gotten the diagnosis when you did, you may sure. have decided not to take some subjects versus others, oh, yeah. not because of any like affinity for it or interest in it, but just because you couldn't focus and you couldn't right. actually see your way through it. And so, um, it could have had huge effects. And, I mean, I'm not saying it didn't have a huge effect, but yeah, um, you know, the counterfactual of what would have happened had you tried to like struggle your way through it all. Right, right. And and the way I describe ADHD to people is like, imagine like a room full of four year olds. Like, there's like six or seven of them, and your job is to keep them entertained all the time. And that's what it's like. So if I'm not interested the children sort of riot. And so I have to figure out ways to provide that structure to, to make sure I can get my work done or the four year olds are just going to, you know, flip the table and, and do that. So, you know, that's what I, that's what I do, what I do helping coaching people on how to, how to wrangle those, those four year olds. Yeah. Well, I think um, part of the story that people have about ADHD and ADD is that it's that you're always constantly distracted um, but I think they don't understand the other flip side is that you can actually be hyper-focused on something when you're interested Correct. in it, so much so that you forget about everything else, right? right? And so it's not just that there are six four-year-olds running around. It's that occasionally there will be one that just yells constantly for four hours or five hours, and you can't hear or see anything else. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So, um, and you're right. So when I am... Um, when I'm focused, I'm, I'm 120% there. When I'm working with a customer, I work in sales, um, you know, a team of gorillas could walk by and I just, I, I miss, I miss what's going on. Um, when I am, when I come home from work and then my battery is low and I have low focus, just everything 
is just a distraction. I can, um, it's hard for me to do the dishes or do basic things because I just, I want to do other stuff or I consistently move around the room. So, you know, one of my combats for that is just quickly identifying what, you know, if I'm in that like super distracted mode and all I do is sit down with an index card and kind of just dump all the detritus that's in my head, like all the stuff I got to do and just wait for that moment to pass. And I also do, I use the app Headspace a lot and, and a little bit of meditation to kind of to simmer that down. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's super, it's a superpower. Um, Peter Shankman, um, who writes on ADHD would call it faster than normal. Um, we're just, we're just faster than normal. Um, we, we just take things in at a, we can drink from that fire hose. Um, the problem is just processing everything up here. So, yeah. Well, the problem I would imagine, especially as we're talking about doing creative work and creative knowledge work is not you're taking it in, right. Being on the end of the fire hose, but being right. the director of the fire hose, that that's right. where yeah. things can be, you know, um, Oh yeah. You know, rather than, than typing 300 words and getting stuck, you might type three and then you're, then you're off to something else. Right. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it goes, it's, it's really that distinction between consumption and creation. And I've noticed, you know, again, I've worked with a lot of people with ADD or slash ADHD and during connection time, fantastic. Like, I mean, they're a little distracted, but we're all sort of a little distracted, right. During connection sure. time. Um, they can read a whole bunch. That's not a problem. And they can watch TV and things like that. Right. But it's when it comes time to sit down and create something or when there's a two to four hour block of time yeah. that that's, I think when the four year olds just have their day, um, on, on right. someone. Right. Um, a lot of people just don't manage, especially for me, I have to manage my energy level. Like I have to look at the gas gauge very closely to say like, Hey, if I'm going to sit down and write 2000 words, do I have that energy? Cause it doesn't work past eight o'clock. It doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But if I am going to get up at like nine in the morning to write eight in the morning to write, I work a night, sh I work uh, kind of a second shift job. Um, you know, I don't write at home. This sounds very strange. I don't, I, I have a, I have a very small apartment. I just, it's very quiet. I have quiet neighbors, the whole thing. I get up, I have my bag packed already. It's in my car, all my writing stuff. So I don't have to like, Oh, where's my charger? Um, if anybody out there is a writer, please buy another charger for your computer and just keep one in your car. So you don't have to manage where's you play the game. Where's your charger? Because when you lose, you know, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. So I go to my local Starbucks. I don't live in Portland, so I we literally it's the only coffee shop there is. It's it's terrible. Thing. It's a terrible thing, Charlie. It's terrible. I suffer, and uh, I sit and I write, and um, I don't have any games on my on my iPad Pro. No games allowed. Um, I have to, you know, I don't have any. I keep my phone. I kind of turn it into an off mode. I use a program called Forest that allows me to shut it down. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's how I have to do it, because otherwise, any little shining light, like a cat, and I, it's over. It's over. So yeah, so I have to get that. I have to get it down. I have to get those words down, man. Yeah, well, you got to get the words down. But I think, um, you know, I mentioned as as I was talking that I think there are there are a lot of things that I think technology is doing to create us more functionally ADHD. Like we might not yeah. actually be that way, but the technology itself, if left to rule sure. us. We'll oh. do that, right, to us in a heartbeat, oh, yeah. all the notifications and just all the things, right? right. Um, 
And so it's funny that you mentioned it because when I'm talking to people about the loop, I call it the loop, but the long, the long name is the infinite loop of digital distractions. You know, like you sure. click on oh. Twitter and then you click a link and then you go to email and then you go to Facebook and then four hours later, you don't even remember what happened and how, what got you there. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, but, but when I, when I tell them, I was like, see, the thing about it is, is managing yourself once you're already on the loop is an uphill battle. Like you're, you're probably going to uh-huh. lose that. But if you can block that first click, if you can block that first thing that gets you yeah. on there, you can win that game. Um, win that game. And so I imagine it's the same way, like what you're talking about. Like if any, if you have the game on your iPad or if there's any sort of distraction that gets you started, um, then, right. then getting back on, on thread is, is really hard. Yeah. It's a water slide down the rabbit hole. It's just, it's a straight line down. Um, and you just, for us with ADHD, we just have to manage it in our own way um, and kind of just be hyper aware of, hey, we have to, we have to watch ourselves in that. Um, uh, Anthony Angoro calls it breaking the twitch, yep. that, that feeling of like, you know what, I'm kind of this, this, this writing's hard. Creative work's hard. I need a fix. And so that Facebook, that Twitter, and um, you get a little hit. And because you've destabilized, you know, your, your creative process now, you have to get back into it because you have to get back into it. It takes a little bit more time. Now that's painful because you're not in the same state you were. Oh, this is frustrating. I need a hit. And then you go back and then slowly you're in the land of, you're in the forest of like diminishing returns quickly um, because of that. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a study that I've cited many times, and I'm going to mess it up. But basically, every time you switch, you switch from checking email or you switch to something like that. There's a 20 minute lag time to get yourself right. back on focus, right? Right. That's for yeah. everybody. Yeah, that 20 minutes, like that, it's a really hard period because three to four minutes into it, that's when you get that little niggle, that little bit of attention, that little right. something's out there. I don't know. You know, it's always one of those things where. It, it, we think that we're thinking about it, but we're not because anytime we think about what's going on in that scenario, we know it doesn't make sense. We right. know that in the middle of writing or doing your creative thing or the middle of focus, that there's nothing out there that actually needs your attention on Facebook or the YouTubes or Twitter right. or Insta snap or whatever it is. And yeah. yet there we go. <laughs> right. Right. And oh, so, yeah. and if it takes 20 minutes to sort of recalibrate from that, that's kind of why I think we get caught in this sort of internet grazing thing that, you know, is what we're talking about. It's like, oh, well, yeah. I'm here, I'll click this next link. And then like, you know, okay, it's, it's going to take three minutes for your attention span, jump somewhere else. Yep. And you just do that all day. Right. So yeah. you got to block that first link. You got to block that first sort of step into the, the loop and the click hole. Um, and then you can win. And I think that's true for everyone. I'm not trying to say, you know how when people like, I have this, I have this thing, man. And you're like, oh, I have something like that thing too. And you're like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not trying to say it's the same for people with ADHD. I'm just saying right. we all face this. Now right. imagine you've got, you know, a flock of four-year-olds running through your head. Yeah. And you're trying and, to do and, that. Right. Yeah. I also describe it like when I'm trying to be productive, it's like uh, it's like a zombie apocalypse. Like you got to create barriers You've got to create, you know, things that take down the distractions. You have to uh, make sure you've got enough supplies so you don't have to go into distraction town. Um, you know, you have to, you know, so I keep a, uh, in my car, if, 
you know, like, you know, in winter we have like salt and jumper cables and all that. I've got a, uh, I've just got a backpack. This is black backpack. And all it is, is note cards, notebooks, pens. Um, and it's this, it's like my writing, like, uh, I messed it up. I've got to get my writing done. And this is like my emergency pack. So, if, so I, I suggest to everyone, if you're in a creative, if you're doing something creative, have like your first aid creative, like go bag. That's like, uh, this has my pens and brushes. This has whatever it is. Um, I even have a spare, uh, you know, a spare battery in there for, you know, my computer. So I'm like, Oh, I'm stuck. So, yeah. um, yeah. Well, for those who are unfamiliar with the concept of a go bag, right? It's basically oh, a yeah. ready, a ready made bag that has everything that you need for that specific context. So, you know, yeah. if you're a soldier, you have a go bag that has a bunch of things in it. If you're a firefighter, you have these types of things. Um, I think if you're a parent, you have a go bag, right? Full of all sorts of other things. And so you just might not call it go bag. But in this case, we're talking about having all of the tools that you need to actually get things done. I'm, I'm similar in the ways that in our car, um, there's always a steno notepad with a pencil in it, right? Um, oh, yeah. And there's also a mobile keyboard, right? Why are both of those there? Well, because... Um, there are plenty of times where we're driving and like this idea hits either Angela or I and we're like, we got to get it out. And we know like if you sit there, you're either not, you're going to be that zombie for like two hours or however long it is until you can write it down because you don't want to lose it. The worst. Yeah. Right. Um, or you're going to dominate the conversation talking about the thing. Right. And, and then probably still forget it. So we have that in there and it's also there in case, you know, um, we're anywhere and it's like, we have an idea hit us. We can sit down and start writing right there. Um, the mobile keyboard is because a lot of people don't know this. You can actually use a keyboard with your iPhone. Um, and so in worst case scenarios, worst case scenarios, these are first world problems. I I realize. Oh yes. There, but for, for the creative person, right? Sometimes the, the scenario is I have got to write this thing. It's, it hit me. Right. A lot of times yeah. around car, around driving, actually, because right? I think that's right. when you, you reach a peak incubation zone. Yeah. And you're also should be distraction free because it's like shower thoughts. Like, you don't have anything, you don't have anything else going on. And so your your brain has, and especially for my ADHD sisters and brothers, we have these abilities to make these connections now. We didn't, we couldn't before because we're kind of, maybe we're in this family mode or we're in work mode or we're in whatever mode it is. And, and and once you're in like driving mode, like you're just, and you're alone in the car, it's just, you start putting the pieces together. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, um, we have it there so we can hook it up to our phones and just type away and get it out. A lot of times, like you only really need like three to five minutes of actually typing or getting that idea out. But if you don't get it out then, then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's It's misery. It's misery. It is. Yeah, our brains are just not meant to be the short-term keepers of information. Like that's why I'm a huge Evernote guy. That's why I just like to just ship it into a place where I can reference it later. Um, but yeah, I keep a field notebook in my back pocket at all times. So um, and uh, and so at work, I work for a technology company that everyone has probably heard of. And so when everyone, everyone laughs and I break out a field notebook and I write and I'll put it in my iPhone because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be distracted or be like, I'm going to check Facebook now. Like I can just have some madman scrawling time and everyone's like, 
what are you, what is, what is this archaic thing? I'm like, Oh yeah, it's yeah. paper and pen. Like, so, don't you know you could do that with your iPhone? You're like, yeah, and then I know, but I know. <laughs> What is all the other out. gazillion things that you could do? And that's what I was going to yeah. comment that your go bag, um, you, all oh, the yeah. things you mentioned were analog, right? Right. Pins, yeah. notebooks, things like that. There wasn't a single technology or a single digit or a single device in there until you got to your battery for your computer. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit more why you go analog. Um, I go analog a lot of the time because one, I know that that analog will never pull me in a different direction than where I want to go. So I can, you know, um, like by my desk, I've got like note cards and pens. I've got stickies. Um, I, like I said, I carry a notebook in my pocket. I can write stuff down. Um, one discovery I just made, um, you you know, like blue books in college, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to hand them out. So mm-hmm. that's what you take a test on. I ordered some from Amazon and I use them if I'm working on a, like a project, it's my analog book. So I can have bigger sheets of paper and I can make checklists and then I can store those very easily. So let's say um, I'm always, let's say if I'm going to, I go down to Nashville frequently, I, I just have a thing of all the things, my packing list of Nashville, my favorite restaurants, all that. And it's in there so I can kind of reference it. Um, I can put that somewhere else. I can digitally store that. I could, but at least it's, it's a blue book. So I write down, I went to this restaurant and I just kind of have that with me. So it's, it's smaller than it's easier to, you know, it's more space to write than a little fields notebook, which are kind of tiny, but, um, yeah, I just, I just enjoy it more. I just process, I find myself processing more and I'm not battling any techno tech, technological interface. I just have to scrawl. Um, and I'm the only one who sees it. So there's no judgment there. So, yeah. 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 Well, I totally get it. I think maybe when we were having a conversation last, um, and it recently I mentioned, did I mention the alpha smart Neo? Oh yeah, I love that. Right. I love that idea. And so the Alpha Smart Neo is a word processor. It's actually the Neo Two. It's a it's a for real word processor from like the 1990s. Um, and if you don't know what a word processor is, it's that thing that you typed on that has like the little LCD screen, right, yep. and everything like that. Now, and there are times where um, I, for whatever reasons, I just want to focus and get the writing done. That the first thing I grab is not my computer. And it's not a notebook. It's actually the Neo too, because I can type it and get it all down. Um, but it's got that little, you know, that little ribbon, like on a, like a, like a big calculator screen right? Yeah, where you can LCD. only see a paragraph at a time yeah. if you're lucky. Right? And, right. and so it's, it's just one of those ways of focusing. But again, the reason I go that route is because it's got like one button on and off and it always works. And the battery life right. is like, you know, 232 hours or something crazy like that. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So you pretty much don't have to worry about battery life. Um, and you're just typing all day. Right. Um, and then you can transfer it to a computer. So it's a great thing. You can get it for about 25 bucks on eBay. Um, and so it's, it's another one of those great tools cause it's not quite analog, but it's about as close as you can get. Right. And right. still, yeah. Um, not have hand cramps cause I can't handwrite long form anymore. Turns yeah. Out. I can't. Yeah. I can't do a long form one. I've got severe carpal tunnel. So, I, you know, I, you know, I've got a little battery life on my right hand. So it's like, and then I just falls asleep. So I'm like, well, guess we'll go back to typing. I guess we'll so, go back to typing. Um, um, yeah. And so, um, you've been talking about a lot of different ways that you combat sort of the, the worst parts of ADHD. 
Um, but mm-hmm. what do you do to actually focus? I mean, besides getting the note cards and things like that, right? And like to focus in and get stuff done. So um, one, I construct an environment that will always produce that focus. So um, like I said, I, I, I have to ship off to a coffee ha- shop. I sit, try to sit in the same place because our brain remembers location very well. It's like, you know, if you try to study um, laying on your bed, you fall asleep. If you, you know, whenever you open the refrigerator door, you discover that you're hungry. So your, your, your focus can be location independent or location dependent. It's got to be like where you are. Then I've got to have like the right tools. So I have the have to write, you know, so I've got my laptop or right now I'm writing on an iPad pro and I think it's brilliant. Um, I think it's one of the best things happening for writing right now, especially with programs like bear and Ulysses. So just having the right tools, because it's hard for me to really produce the best work. You know, a painter has to have the top, you know, their brushes. Um, musicians have to have their instrument. I got to have it in front of them. And then the other one's time. So um, when I'm when I'm working, I like to work in kind of big hour chunks, three to four hours. Um, and so that's where I'm kind of focusing. I'm drilling down. Um, and I'm just kind of running that marathon as far as my writing goes. Um and the other thing I do to kind of on the flip side of that coin is the things that are small and annoying, I try to just get them out of my life as quickly as can. I, I, like I develop systems for them, um, whether it's like like I never shop. This is going to sound terrible. So if you're supported by this company, I'm sorry. I never shop at Target. I think Target is like they have designed it, that and Ikea, to keep you in that store. Mm-hmm. To keep you like some sort of prisoner, and, you know, and get out. So I, I realized that I'd be like, oh, I'll be in there 15 minutes. And an hour and a half came by and I've like filled two carts. Like I'm like, this, this can't, we can't do this. I, I'm a single man. Like I don't need all this. And so all I do is at the coffee house I write in, I order all the stuff I need at Target, laundry detergent and paper towels and all that. Ordered online, ship. They tell me when it's ready to pick up in an hour. I drive my car up, grab it, and I'm out like deuces. So I just – it's that sort of stuff that if if these things like shopping um, you know, are taking a lot of your time, you've got to annihilate them with such savagery um, because it's it, – it, when you walk out of Target, man, your decision fatigue has got to be at like a thousand percent because it's all these things and all these items. And what are you going to get? I'm like, oh, forget it. Just make one less decision. Like always buy this toilet paper. Always buy this, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, detergent. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, when you mentioned decision fatigue, you, you kind of stole some of my thunder here, right? Because we're, we're not stole the thunder, but it's one of those things where. Um, though this conversation has been about ADHD, right? I've been mentioning right. different ways that everyone can use these things because from my experience, actually managing ADHD is pretty much managing willpower fatigue, right? Yes. We've talked about decision mm-hmm. fatigue, which is basically the idea that by the time you make a bunch of decisions and everything, you're worn out. But I think what it is is that um, people with ADHD um, have less control over willpower. It's not that they don't have willpower, but they can't control it in the same way. And so everything right. that we're talking about is actually um, removing your ability to, or uh, moving the requirement that you use your willpower to do anything, right? So yeah. if you don't go into the store, you order all your stuff online, you walk to the front door, 
you don't have to decide whether or not you're going to spend 15 minutes looking at the Transformers because Transformers, right? Right, uh, right. You, you just get your stuff and go, right? Um, yeah. and, and so, um, and the point that I want to make here, though, is anything that we can do to limit our decision fatigue and limit our willpower fatigue, whether or not we have ADHD, actually benefits our life in a lot of ways. It's like being a minimalist in a lot of ways, right? Right. When you're a minimalist, you don't have a bunch of stuff to mess with. And uh, you get a big portion of your life back because you're not managing stuff, right? And, yeah. and so this is kind of that same principle on the mental domain. Um, in ADHD, we'd call it executive function, this ability, like Charlie, have you ever seen Star Trek? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the bridge mm-hmm. where like, they're like, we know all, every part of the ship, we know what's going on from here. So we have that in our brain, the executive function. Hey, this is what I'm doing today. I've got to do this. This is what's going on. And what happens is as ADHD people, like our, our bridge can kind of like blink in and out, like, whoop. I missed it. Like I missed, uh, I forgot this. I didn't have a system for it. Um, and that's what it's like for us. And so we have to like reroute power to the bridge all the time, but we have to find ways to cut that to, to save energy in other places because like our decision fatigue, if, if, or our willpower, if it was like in a bucket, like there's, we already start with two or three holes in it where we're like, Oh no, like <laughs> clock's ticking. We gotta, we gotta make this happen. And so we have to, we have to plug those holes fast as we can, or we have to reroute power as fast as we can. So. Yeah. I feel strange that you asked me if, if I've seen Star Trek, like seriously, I'm just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Trust me. Yes. Yeah, some people have, some people have not that I work with in a tech field. So yeah. Yeah, well, um, there's little sci-fi nerdery that I haven't experienced, so there we oh, go. All right, um, good to know. Good to know. Good, good to know. I mean, you'd have to go pretty deep, but that's that's another matter. All right. Um, all right. You know, and the other thing that that we've been talking about here is the power of systems to help you like be more focused and more creative. I we end up having this conversation a lot of time when I'm talking to. to um, creative people um, who are still learning to master their, to channel their creativity is the way I would rather say it. It's like there's this idea that structure and creativity are actually like oppositional forces. Ooh. And it's the other way around. Structure yes. and creativity are very much aligned forces in your ability to be effective and, and, and to do your best work. So right. um, talk to us a little bit more about that relationship for you between your structure and your creativity. Sure. So um, when I write, uh, so I'm a writer, um, blogger, that whole thing. Um, when I I can't outline and write in the same day, so I have to have a structure to that because if I just sit down and I'm like, oh, what am I going to write about today? Oh, I'm going to write about, um, you know, what it's like being a distracted writer and tools you can use. Oh, all right, and then I just put my fingers on the keyboard and it's just silence and awkwardness because I'm, I'm trying to generate all this content, but I haven't really thought it through. So I would, I go into sort of an outline mode mode and I write everything down. All my ideas, just random, um, you know, madman scrawling of what I can do. And then I kind of rearrange some things. I do this, I do this analog. I don't do it digitally. Um, I might use note cards. I might, you know, whatever I kind of feel like I'm, I'm feeling that at that time and then I'm done. And then I'm now the rookie move 
the rookie move is to sit down and write that in the same moment. No, Charlie. It's a rookie move. You're in outline mode. What else can you outline? What else? Ask your brain, hey, what else, what else could I outline right now? Oh, I've got this guest post I could do. Oh, what are, let me do an outline of 12 different topics I could write about. And I try to stay in that mode as long as I can. The next day, writing Ryan shows up. I want to sit down and write. I wonder what I could write about. Oh, look, past Ryan left me a gift of all these outlines to do. And then I can just pound away on that. When I'm done writing, the rookie move is for me to edit that stuff. I'm not doing that today, Charlie. No, I'm just going to keep writing until, until those outlines are done and I push them off. Next day, editing Ryan shows up. You can edit that stuff out. Or hear the sound of my voice, people. Find someone who is good at editing and, sh- and pay them to do it. Oh, hear the sound of my voice. Oh, but Ryan, that's like 20 bucks. Do you know how much you spent on coffee and Starbucks this week? Give me a break. Give me a break. You just bought an hour or two back to your life. Ship it. And then hopefully outlining Ryan shows up. And I just keep that going, that structure. Um, Because, you know, that way I can be creative in the outlining, the work in the writing, the editing. Um, I usually ship off to to someone. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, for breaking that out. You know, Jeff Goins has written, written a great article on yeah. the three-step thing and it's the um, bucket thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very similar me, yeah. ideation, drafting and editing, um, yeah. you know, but it's just part of the process. Right. And I think yeah. um, the, I think I commented on that particular article on medium, the, the, the challenge that we face for ourselves is we think, all right, we try to think that we can sit down and do all three at once. Right. And it's inhumane in a lot of ways when you think about it. I mean, maybe if you have five to six hours a day, right, to work on that one piece, maybe then. Right. Bless your heart. Yes. Um, With some context shifts and some things like that. But most people I've learned, and I didn't know this 10 years ago or 12 years ago because of college, right? It's like, you know, your papers due Monday. So Friday night, you figure out you got to write it. Yeah, you got to get it done. Uh, you got to get it done. And so you you do that that binge. But even then, like when we look back, people are like, I was able to do all sorts of stuff. It's like, actually, what you did was you gave yourself six to eight hours of 100% focused time to get something done, right? And you put enough right. stress in it that it oh, yeah. worked. How often right. have you done that as an adult? Right. Right. Um, yep. where you, where you absolutely had to, and you didn't have kids and you know, you didn't have food and you didn't have all those things. Like we don't set that up and people wonder why it doesn't happen. It's like, well, imagine if you actually set that same structure up for yourself, aside from being older and your energy, not going as far, you'd get fairly similar results. Like you'd focus and right. get something done. Right. Turns out. So, yeah. um, the inhumanity or the sort of, you know, false, false, or bad assumption we have of ourselves mm-hmm. is that we can sit down, you can do the ideation and the, in the outlining and the research, and then immediately slide into writing for however long you need to. And then immediately switch over into editing and call it a day. It's not at all how it works, man. No, 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 no. And that goes, that goes for like even our biggest projects, like even like it doesn't have to be writing. Like if you're writing, it's like, I'm not a writer. Well, like cleaning the garage, like, you got to like outline the plan mm-hmm. and then do it um, and go from there. Like 
you know, like most people, when I work, when I talk to students, when I talk to um, the people I coach, I'm like, well, you know, tell me about a big project. They're like, you know, my car is a hot mess. And so it would be a failure of me to be like, well, just go clean it, man. Just go clean it. You know, I'm like, no, like I walk them through. What are the supplies you need? I need bags. I need this. I need this. I need this. When are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to do it this Saturday morning. What time? 9 a.m. Can you shoot me a picture of you standing in front of your car at 901? Yes, I can. Oh, great. And then, you know, they work out that plan. That's another question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then they work it out. And I say, all right, when are you going to be like, when are you, when are you have to absolutely be done? No, it's an all day project. No, No. (laughs) it's not. You, you, and ADHDers were terrible at estimating time. So I'll say like, how long do you think it'll take? It'll take an hour. All right. It's going to take three hours. So like, it's not going to take three hours. I'm like, well, then you get another, you know, however long, then you can get bonus time. So if you finish early, so, and then they're like, oh, I can do this now. I can clean up this. Why was this so, why was this like a huge dragon? I'm like, oh, it's because it was nebulous to you. You didn't have anything to get your, get your hands on. Um, and then they're like, I'm like, well, are you going to clean it front to back? Are you going to clean the front first? Like, why are you asking these specific questions? I'm like, because you'll die out there when you try to do it. You will quit because it hasn't been cleaned yet, bro. So we got to figure out a different way. And then they come out with that plan. And they're like, why can't I just do this like normal people? I'm like, because our, our ADHD brains just go too fast. And when they go too fast, they just get overwhelmed. And when they get overwhelmed, they shut down. And then we're watching, you know, Voltron season two on Netflix. Like, that's literally what it happens. Yeah. So season two was a pretty good season, though. It was uh, quick, so quick. I know, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was I was talking to a client earlier today, and she was we were doing the goal setting thing, and it's a very similar sort of scenario, right? Where she was like, "Well, I need to get more X," and I was like, "How many more X?" She's like, I don't know, more X. And I'm like, no, 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 we can't win more X. We never will win more X. Do you need five X? Do you need six X's? How many do we need? And we went through pretty much all of those goals and said, like, what's this number? What's this state that we need to reach? Because as a strategist, I can't help you with more, right? Right. I just can't, right? I can help you with this specific thing because then we can start to look at how you align your resources and your time and everything to get there. But just more? You can't do it. And I think it's a similar, like, I just need to clean my car. Well, yeah, that's true. But we got to get, we got to dig into this a little bit more, right? What's the, what's the final result look like? You know, when people are reporting on like the Dow Jones are like today, the Dow Jones was more and yesterday it was less. Like, that's not how we like, we need like the numbers on, on what it's, it's going to be. Um, Brene Brown quotes someone saying, if you can't measure it, it's not true. You know, it's not true. So you have to. You know, if it can't be measured, it's not true. So you got to measure it, you gotta, whatever it is, that outcome. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we talked a lot about the sort of challenges of ADHD and how you focus, but when does it come in handy? Oh, man. Um, my ADHD um, comes in handy for me um, because I can think on my feet very well. Like you want the ADHD people in the crisis, where we we kind of like we once we arm to- torpedoes it's on like we just come online like it's all there. Um, one example I gave is I was working in Afghanistan as a trainer, 
and I needed to get onto a base that was far away from where I lived. And I thought that I was going, I thought that I had an, an, you know, my flight was arranged and whatnot. So I went, I went to the, to the ladies, these older ladies who managed all the flights at that, at that base. And I said, Hey, Ryan McRae, I'm trying to get to uh, Shindan. And they looked at their ledger. They looked at me and they're like, you, you're not on this flight. You can't, you're not going to be able to get to Shindan tonight. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a course on radiation safety. I have to get there. It's this whole thing. And they were just like, no, like you're not, you're not on the list. And so I kind of went online torpedoes up and I said, you know, there's another list that you guys haven't checked. And they looked at each other and like, what are you talking about? I said, there's a good looking list. It's where we keep track of all the good looking people. We don't want them all in the same flight because if the plane goes down, then there's just a bunch of ugly people here. And so they started rolling laughing. And I said, you got to check that list, ladies. I got to get on this flight or I'm going to be in trouble. And they were doing roll call to get on that flight. And sure enough, I was the last person they called. And they gave me like the double guns. And they're like, you have a good day, baby. And I was like, I'm going to now. And they, <laughs> they gave me that look like, this is your only pass you're ever going to get from us. So I get back. And people had sent me like, uh, you know, cookies and fudge and stuff, um, friends from home. And so I like brought them like a little gift basket. I'm like, oh, this is from the good looking list. And they're like, we got to your thing. You're, you're all right with us. And so um, I, I have a ton of stories like that where I'm able to just process quickly um, what needs to be said and how it, and, and how to do it. Um, you know, an emergency when all things are going on, that was like the time I felt most alive. Um, and so when people feel stuck, I'm able to kind of come up with that ingenious idea. Does it fall on my face sometimes? Yes. Yes, it does. That's actually, you know, how I got to Afghanistan in the first place. The guy just offered me a job and I didn't even think it through. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And, you know, by the time the ink was dry, I was like, whoops. Kind of screwed this up, and uh, I lived on a I lived on a military base for a year without any military experience whatsoever. So oh, that's gonna be extra fun. Oh, super! When you're 38 and you get off a off a plane and you look at you know Ford operating base, you know in Jalalabad, I was like, gosh, I really screwed this up. No one really talked me out of this. Oh well, I should re- I really re-examine it. my life choices at like, this point. I have screwed it up, so yeah. You know, the whole thing here is like as I, maybe it's because of all the Star Trek analogies, but it kind of does remind me of of some of you know Captain Kirk's sort of moments where he's like, you know, all th- all bets are off, and he comes up with this brilliant idea, and it's yeah. kind of half formed, but it sort of works out because he's got the Spocks and the you know McCoys yeah. and everything behind him, kind of that sort yeah. of thing, you know. The structure, th- those two guys always provided him the structure. Like Spock was, you can't do it. And Bones was like, you shouldn't do that. So, um, and you know, he figured it out from there. My favorite show was house because that, that guy was an ADHD. I don't know what was like, he just, you know, bouncing the ball, getting the information, trying something. Nope. Almost killed him. Let's try something else. Oh, nope. And, uh, 
yeah, I, I love that guy. I mean, his personality wasn't that great, but I, under, I understood it. <laughs> you understood so, his struggle. I, I understood. Oh, I understood the struggle. Okay, so, that's an important piece. I mean, we don't have to love the protagonist; we just have to understand their, their struggle. Yes, correct. Yeah. Alrighty. So, as the guest for today's podcast, you get to leave our listeners with a invitation or a challenge, depending upon which one resonates with you. So, based upon what we've talked about. What would you invite or challenge our listeners to do within the next week? Listeners, um, my challenge to you would be this week, find something that you've always had to make the decision on, whether it's you got to pay this bill now, you've got to shop for this. And I want you to reduce one decision in your life. Put some bills on auto pay. Only pick one tube of toothpaste brand for the next two years reduce one decision so you can clear out some of that clutter. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what it is, but just one less thing. And if you're like, wow, that was all right. Keep doing it and kind of make and reduce those choices. That would be my challenge. Charlie. All right, Ryan, thanks so much for joining me today. It's always awesome to jam with you and I appreciate you sharing your story. Great. Thank you so much. Alrighty, Creative Giants. So you heard it from Ryan. What will you do within the next week to elim- eliminate one decision from your life? I really love the picking the one toothpaste um, brand um, for two years, but it could be whatever it is. Remember, we've been talking about um, reducing the things that you need to use your um, executive functioning or your willpower, your decisioning to, to do. So what will you do to reduce that over the next week? Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that'll help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.